welcoming to That's the Truth. Thank you for tuning in. I am so excited to have you back and present to you this bonus episode. I am Jay Gallegos, and I hope that our time together will encourage and inspire you to grow. I want to help you get one step closer in your journey and further along in becoming who God has intended you to be so you can be effective and make an impact in every area of your life. And well, I had the honor and privilege of having a fun conversation with Cedric Francis. He is the founder and CEO of Lead to Greatness. He is also the host of the Lead to Greatness podcast, also the TMC podcast, along with his wife. He is the lead pastor of the New Direction Church. And well, we mostly discuss about a topic that is beneficial to us all, and that's simply how to move forward in our finances. It is a dangerous place to be living paycheck to paycheck, especially without an emergency fund. Cedric shares tremendous insights and actionable takeaways that are fundamental to managing finances. He also shares about the importance of giving and tithing at our local church. He also answers some very important questions about how to be a cheerful giver, even when on a budget and so much more. Don't forget to visit the description to where you can connect with Cedric and see all of the great things that are going on and happening at Lead to Greatness. This is so helpful and very fun in my opinion. It is a pleasure to invite you into my conversation with Pastor Cedric Francis. Cedric Francis, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm very grateful for you. Hey, how's it going, Jay? How's everything going, sir? We are doing well. We're blessed and we're definitely glad and we're grateful that you've taken the time to come out and uh, and be part of the podcast. Man, Jay, I'm definitely excited. I'm glad to be here, man. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for the opportunity uh, allowing me to share today on your platform. And this is amazing. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Well, you know what you mean to me, and we've been uh, close for, for a while now, and uh, I know that you have a tremendous testimony, you have a passion for leadership, I know that um, you're involved with a lot of great things, and one of those things is Lead to Greatness. You're part of uh, New Direction Church, uh, head pastor, lead pastor there, you got different platforms of podcasts going on yourself. So tell me a little bit about Lead to Greatness and what all that's about. Oh, man. Uh, again, thank you for allowing me this opportunity. And uh, Lead to Greatness, it, it was it was a really interesting, interesting story of what happened. Lead to Greatness was really birthed from just posting on social media. I remember prior to, you know, right now, you know, everyone have all the fancy cell phones with the, with the great cameras. But uh, prior to that, you know, I, was, I started posting, I actually did a photo shoot and I started uh, posting um, quotes and things like that with my picture. And so I started posting it or whatever. And then as time went on, I kind of backed away from it and I started getting requests. People like, hey, man, uh, man, these posting are so great. It's very inspiring. Uh, keep it going. So I was like, OK, wow. So I just kept posting, kept posting, kept posting. And I did that for about six months. And then, man, just, it was just kind of really in my heart, man, to really get a podcast going, starting a podcast. So, and I have to be honest, man, that was probably one of the biggest, man, biggest fears for me. 
I remember when I recorded my first podcast, I was sweating so bad. I mean, we had to turn the AC down to about 50 degrees because it was just, you know, I was just sweating because I was just so nervous and scared. Wow. So I started off, yeah, man, exactly. So I started off, so I started off as a, as a podcast. And after a while, I started, you know, we started coaching family members and coaching people within the ministry. And I was, you know, just really teaching leadership because I have a very a great passion from leadership. And I'm going to do a backdrop with that. And it's all going to connect in a minute. Um, I remember about 20 years ago, I got into leadership. And when I got into leadership, it was I got into a leadership position. I had no clue what leadership was all about. Yeah. So what happened, it made leadership very frustrating and challenging. And but I'm telling you, be honest, I, I don't know a good word to use, but I, I hated leadership. I did not like it because I, I did not understand it. I didn't know anything about it. I wasn't taught. Um, and it really it really set me up for a disadvantage. And when I started reading the first book I read, if it's okay to call names, John C. Maxwell. Sure. John C. Yeah. Maxwell, uh, the, uh, the 21 Laws of Leadership. And I read that book. And... That was the beginning of my leadership journey. And and I, I was reading and reading, and then I read another book called Think and Grow Rich. And they talked about in this book about mastermind and it talked about, you know, having mentors and different mentors in different areas. So I started doing that. And um, I had this great mentor that I still meet with him every Thursday to mm. date. I mean, we still yep. meet every Thursday. And he poured so much into my life. And man, he really changed the way I see leadership. He really helped me so much. So the leadership that I used to dread, because I love what I do and I always love hating. I mean, I always love helping people, but it was just it was just frustrating when you didn't know it. So man, he really helped me bring the joy back to leadership. So I said, you know what? Man, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. So I started off with the quotes, yeah. and then I was like, man, I want to bring joy back to leadership because most people don't know about leadership. I mean, people push product, people push, you know, processes, but they don't understand people and know how to deal with people. If you can even relate to that, you know, even in your life, you know, some of the things that happen when we're so caught up in the process and the product, we forget about the people. Right. And so, so that's what, that's one of the things that really, uh, really launched Lead to Greatness into existence. <clears throat> and the purpose of Lead to Greatness is to help others reach their greatest potential and together we can change the world. So that's our focus on what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, you mentioned uh, the church, yeah, New Direction Community Church. Uh, I've been pastoring New Direction Community Church 10 years now. And uh, New Direction, that's a, it's really, a, it's, it's a beautiful place. Man. I really love it. And when I say place, I mean the people. Man, such, such amazing people. Uh, that God sent to to our ministry, man. We really um, we we're big givers. Uh, we have a we have a saying that we love to love. That's our motto. We love to love. Mm. And most people that that come and visit the church, man, that's that's the first thing they hear. It's like the love, 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 love. And that's who we are. And man, we right now one of the things that we're working on. We're currently feeding. The community right in the downtown area we're feeding the community three times a week monday wednesday and friday midday that's awesome we're out in the community feeding them man yes yes and we're feeding the community when we're feeding the community man we're really feeding them i mean we're not feeding sandwiches man we have a catering company 
a catering company actually wow. come out and cater the community three times a week. And man, that project is growing and it's just so amazing. Man, that is awesome to see and how effective that is working in the community and uh, being a part of that. It does so much for the community and it also does so much for the people and they, they tend to um, uh, really grow uh, in serving the community as well. So you're also involved with podcasting. You got lead to greatness podcast going on. You got a TMC podcast. Uh, uh, you're doing leadership and coaching. Tell me a little bit about the podcast and we'll put uh, some of the descriptions in um, or a link in the description to where people can connect on that. Okay, great. Yeah, so I have a first up, Lead to Greatness podcast. Lead to Greatness podcast is all about leadership. And it's where I interview, man, successful, amazing. I'm talking fired up. Uh, man, um, most of these entrepreneurs are uh, multimillionaire. Most of them businesses is seven figures. And so I have the opportunity, man, to interview these um these amazing people every week. So that's what the leadership, and we basically, the conversation is about their journey, what they're doing, how did they get to where they they are? What are the, some of the struggles that they dealt with, you know, in the startup phase? You know, what are some of the things that, you know, other startups can look out for? So that's probably, that's that's, that's basically with uh, Lead to Greatness. We deal with that, and we also deal with the aspect of leadership as well, but it's all mixed up. I mean, the conversation... Yeah. And it goes in so many different directions, but it's it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to me um, in in our community, man. That that listen to lead to greatness every week. Yep. And my wife and I, we also have a podcast called the TMC Podcast. And by the way, man, these both of these podcasts release once a week, so we really I'm, we're releasing two podcasts a week. Yeah. Um, and the TMC Podcast, it, it's really the Marriage Coach Podcast, and what happened. My wife and I doing right in the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, when people began to work from home, my wife and I, we, man, we started getting all kind of requests for, you know, co uh, coaching with marriages. It was just over and over and over and over again. And it got so bad, man. We, it was just, it was too much because we didn't have enough time in the day to be able to take on all these people. So well, we decided, we said, you know what, let's start a, a podcast and let's just talk about these different issues. So we started the Marriage Coach Podcast and the Marriage Coach Podcast, what happened when we began to talk about getting to the Marriage Coach, most of everything we were dealing with was about relationships. And we realized that the relationships was more broad than just you know, marriage, you know, it's about relationship, work relationship, relationship with family, relationships, period, relationship with your children. So we realized that. And so I remember one day, and this is when the epiphany happened, I was talking to a young lady. She was single. She had uh, two, two children and had a great episode because she was sharing something with us. And I was like, man, you need to listen to such and such. You need to listen to episode. I forgot what, what, what whatever episode. I said, you need to listen to this episode. I said, have you heard it? She was like, no. She said, I don't really, you know, marriage goes podcast. She said, no, the podcast is for marriages. I said, no, it's not. I said, it's not for marriages. It's about relationships. Mm. And she was like, oh, wow. So my wife and I, we, we, and we made a drastic decision and changed it from the Marriage Coach Podcast to now, as everyone knows, TMC Podcast, where we're really, you know, just really tackling into that. So we 
we we we do the podcast and we started out that podcast as the uh, same thing like talking having topics talking about you know relationships and different things but to be honest with you man there's only so much only so much you can talk about when you're talking about marriages i mean it's, it's only so much and so what we did man we basically uh started doing what we're doing with lead to greatness where i'm interviewing the leaders so we interview couples on the uh, PMC podcast every week. And the same thing, people sharing their stories. Uh, we just did a uh, recording last night when, uh, you know, a couple, you know, there was infidelity involved and, and they managed to stay together and they're thriving in their, their relationship now. So, and we asked a question like, hey, what, 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 how did you guys get from there? to where you are now you know so just hearing those stories inspirational stories even things that i mean my wife and i'll be honest man we never uh we never dealt with uh you know someone stepping outside the relationship uh you know during our 24 years of marriage to be 24 in august uh we never had that issue so man people that have you know situations like that man we, we bring people on you know to connect with all you know each individual so Man, that's great, man. We're also doing the coaching. We're still doing the coaching. Uh, my wife and I, uh, one of the things through our website, man, we take on uh, clients to coach, you know, whether it's business, um, marriage coaching, uh, business startup coaching, leadership coaching, mentoring, man, we do it all. Wow. So, man, I'm just definitely, you know, just excited. So one of the things that um, stands out about leadership is finances. And the reason I say that is because when I first began studying leadership, I started with the finances without even knowing because I was involved with leadership for many years. But what happened was that one day I came to a realization and said, Hey, you know what? Something has to change. So I started studying finances. And then from there, I just started learning about leadership and I started learning about uh, different areas there. But one thing kind of led to another. So that's one thing that I wanted to ask you about managing finances, you know, and how important it is to not only leadership, but the way that we lead our family. And if you're in a senior role, that's definitely important. So that's a topic that can't be ignored. Personally, for you, when did you come to the realization that you had to take control of your finances? Cool. Man, so what happened with us, my wife and I, we're about, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, 43, get ready to 44 this year, but we're about 30 years old. I remember my wife and I, we were doing a finance analysis. Uh, we're about 30 years old. And man, doing the financial analysis, we discovered that we had more debt than we had money. And I realized, I mean, it was tough back then. I remember it was real tough, but I worked a job where, you know, I was afforded to work overtime. So it didn't really, it was still tough with the overtime. I mean, if it wasn't for the overtime, man, I don't, we wouldn't have made it. And so, man, it, it, just, it was just kind of a wake-up call to look at these numbers. And I would, I would start there to say it's very important, very important for us, you know, in our finance to know where we are because if you don't know where you are you not you won't even be aware 
of how bad or how good the situation is. I mean, it's just like that gas indicator light on your car. I mean, if you if you don't have that indicator light, I mean, you would man think up. Can you imagine how many people would be on the side of the road? Yeah, uh, broke down just because they don't have any gasoline. So this is very important. So that's one of the things we did, man. We did a financial analysis, and it was a wake up call. I was like, wow here and i'm looking at the situation i'm like man i don't i don't want to be in this position and it made me realize why we're so stressed out about money because we really had no proof i mean we're just living life doing what we're doing buying stuff spending money you know we're just living and didn't realize how bad it was and i think sometimes we can get caught up in autopilot just living life and creating these these habits and not realizing how bad you know the situation situation is and man, so yeah, we did that, and we realized how bad the uh, the finance was. So we we had to make a decision. We made a decision. It was like, man, we got to do something. We got to do something. I want to take control back over our lives because we had no control of our lives. Uh, man, we were we were slaves to credit. We were slaves to debt, and we couldn't really do anything. I mean, just think about. It. I'm gonna ask this for even the listeners, even today. You know, if if you had an opportunity, if you were debt free, if money wasn't an option, what would you be doing right now? And the reason why I ask that question, because a lot of times that what we would be doing right now, most of the time, the reason why we're not doing it, because we have to make a living and we're working to live. And it's like we can't even live and do what what we need to do on purpose, you know, so. I think that's very important and, you know, not to get consumed in this whole debt debt trap that takes over our lives and we live our lives working from nine to five, going to work, living for the weekend, you know, and and I I think that's a bad way to live. And I recommend everyone ask that question, take a minute, ask that question, what would I be doing? right now if money wasn't the issue if debt wasn't the issue and the second thing to that question for everyone that you can you can get there you can get there with putting some things in place you know with some with with some discipline you know setting purpose and things like that man you can you can get there because now you realize you say okay i'm right here that's what the uh, debt analysis is for i'm right here but it's like where I'm trying to go. And so since you have that sense of direction, you can navigate and get there by asking the right questions, solving the right right problems. Yeah, that's great insight. And thank you for being transparent about your struggles early on. And it definitely takes an experience like that for us to wake up and say, hey, there's a huge problem here that needs to be addressed, right? So you're involved a lot and you spend a lot of time and you invest a lot of time with couples and with marriages and in relationships. So that managing finances is definitely a topic that is tied into that. So how do we approach uh, finances in marriage? Because you have two different personalities. You have two different characteristics of, of a person. You have a spender, you have a saver. Uh, If you have two, two spenders, then that could probably tend to be a little boring. But if you have two savers, then that will probably be a little dangerous also. So how do we approach finances in our marriage? 
Well, I, I and and this is this is a great question. I think thanks for the question. This is really great because this really takes me even within the story, you know, to walk down my journey. So when we discovered this debt analysis, uh, my wife and I, man, I said I'm ready to get out of debt. Let's I'm ready to do this, and I, I want to say, my wife, she's a spender, so she wasn't feeling it, man. She wasn't she wasn't having it. So it, it was a, it was an issue, man, because I was frustrated because I was ready to get out of debt, but then trying to convince my wife that you know this is the journey and this is the thing we need to do, and it was a de- very difficult thing, you know, it's not the way you said it's two different people trying to make this decision together, and so, and I, it was a challenge for about two years, two years, discovered this. At 30 years old, we looked at probably 32 years old now. So two years later, two years into it, and what happened is I sent my wife, and here's a note right here, and there's a lesson behind this. Um, I sent my wife a clip of Dave Ramsey, and she listened to the Dave Ramsey, man, and then what was so interesting about it, she listened to Dave Ramsey, and it made sense to her. Dave Ramsey... If you listen to Dave Ramsey, anybody know about Dave Ramsey? Dave right. Ramsey would say, "What you're doing, is stupid." In a minute, he, he, he "Stupid" is one of his favorite words, right? And so he literally explained and said, "What you're doing is stupid. so." Dave Ramsey calling her stupid, you know, it kind of got her attention. But on the other hand, if I would have said that, you know, it would have been big trouble on my end, right? Right. So, with that being said. Here's the lesson. Oftentimes, when there is a different disagreements within the relationship, the best thing to do, the best thing to do is get some help from the outside, whether it's a, a you know, a, a, you know, somebody to counsel or somebody to coach you all through a mentor or watching something on TV or going to some type of seminar or something together. Or sometimes you have to get outside help. You know, you know, in the marriage situation, that that's actually what worked for us. And man, once we did that, my wife and I were definitely on board. And I I agree with you with your statement, man. It's very, I think it's super dangerous to have two spenders, two spenders, two people that love to spend. I mean, man, that's 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 a, that's that's really dangerous. And two saves, savers is definitely can be kind of bored. I mean, it's like, okay, we save and we don't do anything. Um, so, I mean, navigating through that is a whole, whole different topic, uh, probably for another day. But, man, it's, it's really, it's really uh, getting to the point, even if you're a saver. So a lot of times we have to ask ourselves a question. Matter of fact, whether you're a saver or a spender, you have to ask yourself a question because most of the time, whether you have a spending habit or a saving habit, there's some type of thing tied to it, some type of trauma from our past, some type of situation that has happened in our life that has led us to this particular thing. So we have to really, you know, when you're dealing with uh, expense and when you're dealing with saving and and you're dealing with uh, savings and and uh, spending, you have to really evaluate the situation and, and say, like, what, what's going on? How why am I like this? And sometimes this thing is a lot deeper. It's a lot deeper than it's a lot deeper than the initial thing of what we're doing. If you understand what I'm saying, right? You know, most people most people save. If you really 
you know, dig into that situation, that's the reason why you, your mind is like that. Maybe perhaps you come from a, a low poverty uh, family. You was brought up and, you know, your family didn't have anything. So you're taking on this hoarding, this hoarding type of spirit where it's like, you know, I got to hold on to what I have because of the fear of poverty. It's like, man, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose this. I have money. I grew up without money. I have money now. I want to keep it. And that can create that uh, savings mentality. And the spending mentality can be, it, sometimes it can be similar. You have, uh, you have people that spend, spend, spend the same thing because, in their past, you know, growing up, they grew up in poverty and they grew up in poverty. And because they didn't have it then, now they take on this mindset of like, man, I, I, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to enjoy my life. So it's like everything for well, everything you didn't have when you were young. It's like you're trying to make up for it. And debt is the risk. I mean, debt in the in the, the prime end up the prime resource of the situation that we find ourselves in. So I would I would say that man, uh really really look within yourself and like why why am I whether you're a spender or a saver, why am I why am I like this? Why do I have this behavior? Because again, I think just the same way my wife and I identified the situation in our relationship, we identified that we had a debt issue. So now the next step is identifying why we are the way we are. Right. And that is great insight. Thank you for sharing that as well. Um, definitely to spenders, that can be dangerous. To savers, definitely going to be probably a little boring. And like you said, that is probably a long topic that is uh, very long-winded. But I want to ask you about fears. I want to ask you about um, how that's tied into our background growing up. But first... I also want to ask you about making budgets together, because maybe there's a couple out there that is a newlywed that is trying to figure out how do we make a budget together? Maybe there is a large family somewhere that's trying to figure out where is the direction, uh, where should we be applying our income? There's maybe someone else that's trying to figure out college funds or maybe someone's trying to figure out retirement. So everybody's in a different season, but Focusing maybe on the newlyweds, for example, if you had someone, uh, a newlywed couple come into your office or call you and get coaching from you and your wife, how would you coach them through making budgets together? So, so thank you. It's a great question. So one of the first thing I would do with the newlywed, I would, again, find out, and he's probably going to constantly hear this echo, but finding out where they are now. So really looking at that newlywed, like, okay, what, you know, into this relationship, what debt are you bringing into the relationship uh, for the male and the female? What what debt are you bringing to the relationship? And then the, the second thing is seeing who who strengths lies where, like maybe uh, the, the 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 future husband is the one that has financial experience. So the one that has that experience behind them, really finding out. You know, identifying who's who who has the strength in certain areas and different areas, who have the strength in savings, who have the strength in all these different areas. So that would be that would that would be the first first thing. So first thing is sorting out finding out who is who and identifying and then getting that couple to realize uh, that they are a team. That they are a team because it, because you, you have to realize like, okay, you you're newlyweds, you give you you're getting ready to be married. You guys are a team. 
And teams work together and not against each other. So whatever strengths and weaknesses within the team, teams, there are people that have certain strengths and people have certain weaknesses. But that's what's so great about a team, because where I'm weak, you're strong. Where you're weak, I'm strong. So that makes a powerful team and a powerful couple. So I would start there, you know, like, you know, evaluating like, okay, what position, what role are you playing in this financial journey in your relationships? Uh, the next thing, the next thing I would do as far as, you know, say, you know, there's some debt or maybe there's not some debt, but if there's some debt, the first thing I would encourage, you know, to, you know, to uh, get out of debt, uh, come up with a, come up with a, a, a plan, come up with a plan. I mean, uh, uh, Habakkuk 2 and 2, you know, in the Bible, it says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. So I, I believe we have to write it down and uh, make it plain. And then we also have to, you know, create, you know, begin to create that budget, begin to create that budget, looking at what we have and creating that budget. Because here's the thing. If you don't tell your money where to go, it's going to go anywhere. If you don't tell your money where to go, you're not going to know where it went. So it's very important to have a budget and to account, have an account for every every dollar, every cent, every penny, having, having an account for it and telling your money where to go. Because the whole point, what we want to do in our relationship, what we want to do in our lives when it's dealing to finance is controlling our money and not our money controlling you. We're directing our money and not our money directing us. So that's that, that's that, that's two of the things that I would that I would deal with uh, right off the bat. Yeah, that's really good. That's one of the things that helped me out in early on because my wife and I we had a great experience that really changed our life about finances, and it, it that was a starting point. You know, identifying exactly where everything is going. So families that have children, younger children, or maybe teenagers, are starting out with their first jobs and trying to allocate their money and trying to have direction there. How do we avoid repeating the same? paradigm or the same process you know we were stuck probably in a curse where it's like hey nobody taught us this nobody taught us in school maybe uh, our, our parents didn't have the head knowledge or maybe they nobody taught them how to do it so how do we teach our children to take um, grasp of their finances early on do you take the allowance approach or how do you do that yeah i, I would i would say thank you great question i would say um the first thing is Lead by example. Lead by example, them seeing you. Um, and matter of fact, I think it will be great uh, to get them involved, you know, sometimes. Not, you know, you don't have to get them involved in, you know, the big aspect of, you know, how much you have in the account or whatever, but just kind of showing them, you know, how money works. Uh, one of the things as far as the... You know, uh, my wife and I and our, our kids, we no, we don't do the allowance approach. What 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 we do, uh, we do like for example, my son, uh, he's our yard man. He cut the grass, and so that's part of that's part of his, in a sense, I guess what people would call allowance. But my thing is that's his earning. You know, he's earning this because I'm teaching him about money and the best place to teach him about money is while he's still at home. So I, I'm teaching him 
you know, about every dollar, you know, even as far as the lawnmower and all that, I, I, I taught him, I mean, he put the gasoline in the lawnmower. He takes, so this, this is the thing. And think about this whole business perspective, what I'm teaching him. So he, he's cutting the grass, but then he has to maintain the lawnmower. So he knows that out of his, out of his, uh, the money he made out of the profit, he had to take money out of the profit to put into the equipment. So he's learning this at an early age. And my son started doing this doing this at 12 years old. 12 years old is as soon as he was old enough to uh push the lawnmower without hurting himself. I mean that that that's what we started doing. So and I started teaching them finance. And one of the things even with that, because I, I I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, I'm I'm a man of God and I believe and tithing, that was one of the things I taught him, you know, even with, you know, him earning as far as cutting the grass or even what in, in, in all the little tasks we give him around the house that we we we, we pay them for. Um, is first thing, tithe first. Take out that 10% tithes. And then take out another 10% and, and save. And then take out, you know, another 10% and invest. And, you know, so we're, we're, we're teaching him right now what to do with the money and i think everything i just named is super important god first and also uh, yourself and also your future so you you're giving to god first with the tide uh number two you pay yourself you take care of yourself you pay yourself not by spending you pay yourself by saving because one thing you have to look at because a lot of times we're thinking about right now but when i pay myself i'm not thinking about cedric at 43 years old no 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 i'm thinking about cedric at 50 so i'm paying myself so 50 year old cedric can be taken care of because right now at 43 if 30 year old cedric wouldn't have made the best decision then 44 i mean 40 43-year-old Cedric right now wouldn't be in the position that I'm in that hopefully we get to talk later about, you know, when we get into, you know, so, so all those things is important. So that's, that, that's pretty much our approach. We're going to teach them, you know, uh, tithing, um, saving, and um, also investing. I mean, man, my son, my son in the crypto, as soon as he turned 18, uh, he just turned 18 in November. As soon as he turned 18, man, uh, that's what he got for his birthday from me. He got he got uh, cryptocurrency, man, just to kind of really get his feet wet with the investment yeah. thing. And he, that's he's great. Let, let me say one more thing about that. Sure. I, I don't want to leave that. I don't want to leave that off the table. Oh, yeah. So the thing about it, I really, with my approach on, on, um, you know, um, allowance. I don't. I, I don't necessarily agree with allowance. Um, I think because when you give allowance, it's like you're giving. You're giving something. It's like getting something for nothing. And I personally think that's a. It, it, I don't think that's a good idea. It's a good, not a great idea. You know, to teach our kids that we can get something. We can get something, and do nothing. Because most of us, most of us, and we're dealing with generation now because my kids is not in the same position I was in. I mean, I grew up in poverty. I grew up in poverty, and most people that grew up in poverty take on this approach that I think is not its not a good approach. And one of the approaches is like, man, I don't want my kids to go through what I went through. So we spend, we spend our lives giving them everything. But what we're doing, we're robbing them for, from hard work because it took us, it took hard work for us to get from where we 
where we were to where we are. It took hard work to get there, get there. But what we're doing, we're robbing our children from hard work because we're giving them everything. And now those kids don't have the same values we had because they don't have the same experience. So that's why I think work is very important and teaching them work and maintaining that in the process while you're raising your kids. Yeah, that's really good. And I find myself in that season now because I have uh, my oldest son. He's about to be 10. So he's getting to that stage where he can understand the value of it, uh, how to manage it a little bit. We can teach him and guide him through that. You know, but one of the things that my wife and I have been questioning quite a lot is, should we do the allowance? Should we do the you know, the earning approach, hey, you, you work for it, but there's definitely a lesson learned in the struggle of earning it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a topic that it's very, very extensive in itself. And there's been so many great authors that have provided content for that. So one of the one of the things that stands out to me, like you've worked with couples and families and you worked with a lot of different people. What are the common mistakes or repeated mistakes possibly that you see with people make with their money? Oh, man, great question. Uh, one of the common mistakes is, is emotional spending. Emotional spending. Um, spending based on emotions, man, um, is one of the common mistakes because one thing I always say, man, we have to, with everything we do, we have to think logical and not emotional. Um, and those emotional decisions, I mean, man, it can cause us, it can cause us great habit in our lives. And I think it's bad. For example, I mean, going to a car lot, going to a car lot. And the logic thing is to ask yourself, do I really, first of all, <laughs> do I have the discipline to even go to this car lot? That's the first thing. But it's like, when I get to the car lot, do, do I really, do I need a new vehicle? Um, is there anything wrong with the vehicle I have now? And so you have to ask those logic questions first off, because if you don't put that logic in your head, man, you go in the car and you got those, man, you got some great sales, salesmen out there that, man, will sell, will sell you something you don't need. And you see this car and you picture yourself in it and logic is out the window because every decision you make from there on is an emotional decision. You know, the car is shining, you know, the smell of the car, it has this great new car smell and you can see yourself in it. And, and, and it, it, it calls you to make a, decision that you shouldn't that, that she that you shouldn't make i mean for one thing i always say because i, I actually still right now man i drive a i drive a man my, i drive a 2008 toyota tundra purchased this truck nearly brand new i uh, had about three thousand miles on it and i could talk about that if you'd like me to because that's a tip for yeah. uh you know the car the car thing so yeah let's go there i bought it for i i, I paid I, uh, I got this truck with 3,000 miles on it. And, man, you if anybody knows anything about pricing Toyota Tundras, man, they start, they owe $40,000 to get a vehicle. Man, I purchased this truck. And I'm not the same to say, man, I bought this truck for $26,000. $26,000 with, 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 I don't, I, I hope I said it right the first time, but with 3,000 miles on it. 3,000 miles on this, this vehicle haven't even had an oil change. And so I do that, and I would do that forever because as soon as you pull the car, we all know this, when you pull the car off the lot, you know, it loses so much off the value as soon as it come off the lot. So what I do, I'd rather, and I prefer to find a car that's still new, 
you know, maybe a fleet vehicle, a vehicle that a ma the manager uh, drove. And when you purchase that vehicle, you purchase that vehicle for that, you already get it at that, at that reduced price and not that um, high price tag just taken off the lot that value so did that but Mel, i had this truck uh what uh, 18 man 13 13 years my mother brand new paid it off for five years and so but it, it's still rolling good i got a tundra and uh it's still rolling good i've seen the new tundras come out but i'm like you know i looked at it but again man my logic i always put my logic in front of my emotions like you know what said do you need that in the season and in this season of my life, with me and my wife, with our investments and business, it's like no, it's not the season for that. So, yeah. you know that 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 really keeps things keep things uh, in perspective for me. But I think that's a big mistake uh, that I see people make, whether it's uh, cars, whether it's uh, you know purchase the home. I mean, you can purchase the home and be uh, uh, whether it's a term I heard uh, house broke. I mean, you can you can purchase a home and be house broke. You know. Find things that we we can't afford. You know, I would take on the approach that Dave Ramsey always say, act act your wage. Act your wage. Yeah. That's really good. So whenever we have to identify the problem, and we're going to talk about the different mindsets here in a second, and I want to ask you about that. But when you're identifying the problem, is it our perspective? Because you mentioned that you put logic in front of your emotions. Is it the perspective that's a problem? Is it the income that's a problem? Is just is it just not enough uh, people across America are just not making enough? Is it our spending habits or how do we identify that so we can target that and, and fix the problem? I, I, I think it, uh, great question. I think it's the, the same thing. The last thing I just said, you know, acting, acting your wage. Um, and really, I think it's a spending problem. I think it's a spending problem. That, that, that's all sorts. I mean, it's kind of, this is really a broad topic to, and, 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 and it's, it's different and it varies, you know, for different situations. I mean, because there are people, you know, the whole thing with, you know, you have inflation, you have different things that uh, we're in the midst of or going into, and, you know, we don't know how this is going to end financially. Uh, but, yeah, I think a big thing is, man, really a, a spending problem uh, for the most part because, man, these are statistics from from the, uh, the the national banks, man. I mean, man, the average person, average person don't even have $1,000 in the bank. The average person, if they had a flat tire, it would be a disaster for their lives. I mean, the average person is not living from paycheck to paycheck. They're living from paycheck to Monday. I yeah. mean, I'm talking, they, they, they can't even survive. They, they barely surviving past the weekend. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's no longer paycheck to paycheck. We, we're talking paycheck to Monday. I mean, as soon as they get that check, but over the weekend, they already, you know, they, 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 they already, uh, the money is gone. And now they're spending the rest of that week until the next paycheck check using credit cards just to survive. So, man, this, this is a big, this is a big issue, spending things, but spending money we don't have. Spending one money we don't have. And, and I think, man, um, man, even scripture, even scripture, if, if it's okay for me to go there, man, yeah, scripture, Proverbs, Proverbs 21 and 20, uh, it says uh, you, you need to learn to live on less than you make. Money doesn't grow on trees. And here's the, here's the Proverbs, here's the Proverbs uh, 21 and 20. A foolish man devours all he has. 
A foolish man devours all he has. So mm. the scripture, the Bible calls an individual that's spending all he has. The Bible says, you, you're a fool. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you're a fool. I mean, so yeah, man. So it's a big, it, it's a big issue. And it creates frustrations. It create, it kills purpose because you can't do what you're supposed to do or called to do because you're, you're, you're caught up in this trap. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that. And you talked about your truck and your experience with that and, and the, the mortgage as well. And so that finances is definitely tied to a mindset. And I've heard a lot of people claim, you know, you're always going to have a mortgage. You're always going to have a car note. So might as well buy something that you're going to enjoy and get comfortable with it. Because even by the time that you pay it off and you clear out that debt, you're just going to need another one or get right back into another debt like that. So what is your view on that way of thinking? And how do we rewire our mind to think differently and say, hey, you know, let's let's look at this a different way? I think I think that's dangerous thinking. I don't think it's true because again, like I said, I'm 13 years with Tundra. That's uh, I'll getting ready to hit uh, 200,000 miles, and it runs great. Um, it still passed the the inspections. It's still a great vehicle. I mean, I, I take care of it. I get all the maintenance done. Um, but I, I, I disagree with that approach. I think I, I, I see that as more of an excuse and a justification to keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's like I, I'm not ready to break this habit, but it's it's a justification to keep doing what you're doing. And I think uh, most people, you know, somebody feel that way or thinking that way, then you really have to go to the fact that, like I say, going back to the root of it, like, why am I why, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel this way? Let's get this excuse off the table because I mean, it's not true. It's not true. So let's, 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 let's quit all the excuses and let's take the excuses off the table. Let's deal with, let's deal with facts now. Let's deal with facts. Why, why am I like that? Why do, why do I want a new vehicle every two years? Why do I want to, the term keeping up with the, the Joneses? Why Why do I want to keep doing this? Why do I want to buy, buy all the latest name brand clothes? Why do I want to buy uh, all the name brand purse? Why, why do I want this? And the truth of the matter is most of the time we do this because it makes us feel some kind of way. It makes, you know, to have a new vehicle, it makes you feel good to step out of that vehicle and, you know, it's shining and everything looks good. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel good having on name brand clothes. It makes you feel good having that, you know, that three, four thousand dollar purse. It makes us feel good. But we have to stop and ask ourselves a question. Why in the world is stuff? Why do it take stuff to make me feel good? What what yeah. what, what what am I what am I missing? So I think it's a something psychological that needs to be dealt with even within ourselves. It's like why? Why why am I chasing why am I chasing this? I mean, even Matthew, the scripture talks about God said, don't, you know, don't get caught up in the, 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 the things of the world. You know, we get so caught up in, in stuff that gets old. I mean, think about this. I would I would challenge you to do uh, a re to, to, to do a survey in your home as well. Because I'm telling you, I did my survey and I'm telling you, I I I, I have issues in this area too. Because 
Every last one of us right now, if we do a survey in our house, there's things in our house, there's things in our closet, there's things in our garage that we haven't used or touched in years. So for me, if you have enough stuff in your house to have a garage sale, that means you have too much stuff. That means we have spending problems. That means we, we, we purchase things we don't need because if you needed it, you'll be using it. And I mean, man, I mean, just check out Amazon bills and say, okay, what are we, what are we, what, what are we spending on Amazon? What are we spending on Amazon? Yeah. And man, it really, but I'm telling you, man, it's, uh, man, Amazon is, man, Amazon is, uh, Amazon is not my friend either, you know? Addicting, isn't it? Yes, it's very addicting. So these addictions, man, can really, really get us uh, caught up because it, it, it feels this void. It feels this void. I mean, this stuff is like, it, 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 it does the same thing that drugs do in alcohol does for people. I mean, people, you know, drug, uh, drug addiction, alcohol addictions. I mean, but what about spending? Spending, it, it has addiction too. It's like when I get it, you feel a certain way. You feel a certain way when those Amazon boxes come. It makes right. you feel... Good. It makes you feel good when you can go in the front yard and you got that shining truck. And by the way, I thought about it. I said, man, it's kind of funny because, you know, we, you know, we drive with these vehicles and when they're driving, we can't even see them. So we're not, right. we, we're not buying them for ourselves. It's like, I mean, I can't see. I mean, I watch the truck up and it's shining. You know, you got the, you know, the nice rims and all this stuff. You can't see it while you're driving it. So you're not even doing it for yourself. It's for everybody else. It's for everybody else's eyes because you can't right. see it. Yeah, that's great. Past a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's definitely tied into uh, instant gratification. You know, you mentioned you feel a certain way when those boxes show up or you order anything on demand online nowadays. And it, exactly. it, it's tied into instant gratification. You spend money and you get that that burst of dopamine and it makes you feel a certain way. And when when you get into that new car smell and it, it does something to you. So also speaking of having things in our closets and our garages, we tend to make bad decisions with money when fear and panic set in, especially here, what we've been through in the last few years with the pandemic, maybe people were maybe struck right away to go and take out their 401s or go and take out of their savings or go and make just drastic decisions based on the fear of money maybe fear is one of those things that is in our closet what are some of the common fears when it comes to money and how do we address them when it's associated with money like that oh man this is a really really great question man the i'm gonna tell you let me share a story with you man i the beginning of the pandemic man i remember do you remember that whole era when for some reason, but toilet paper was like the first thing to, <laughs> to leave the the, the grocery yeah. stores. I mean, it was so yeah. weird. I mean, we people kind of joked about it, like toilet paper, you know. Right. But I I, re, I remember this, man. I remember my wife and I. I remember us going to Kroger's. We went to Kroger's, man, because of fear. Man, we were so impulsive, man. We just started throwing everything inside the bag as if we were not, you know, Kroger's is about to shut down and there's going to be no more food to eat. I mean, we started pulling everything, just dumping stuff, man, just rolling through the aisle. I mean, I'm talking doing drive-bys, man, just just sweeping stuff into the cart, right? And start doing this, man, it really hit me. I'm like, wow. It kind of hit me for two reasons. One of the reasons it hit me, I was like, man, that's a, 
you know, like again, we're feeding the community, man. We, my wife and I, we're feeding the community. Uh, you know, we serve. You know, we believe in giving, giving, giving. But because of fear, man, it put me in a position where I was taken from somebody else. And the reason why I say that because I beat somebody else to the grocery store. So because of fear. I was taking stuff, stuff, extra stuff. I was just taking stuff, not thinking about the next person that has to come in the grocery store behind me. And man, it really, it really gave me a self-check into my life. Man, do you need to check yourself? Because yeah, you're feeding the community, you're doing all these great things, but man, you get your your emotions just put you in a position where you're not thinking about that kid. That may not have that. They may not have any beanies and weenies, you know. That kid, because I'm taking the last of of the uh, the, the cereal, you know. That some kid that's not gonna have cereal, and it's like we we, you know, we 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 we're just you know just taking everything and just really spending it. So man, that was that was definitely a, a wake up call for me. And one of the things I would say, man, dealing with dealing with fear, man, is really, again, again, it goes back to that emotion. Really, man, just take a, take a moment, take a deep breath, and decide, like, okay, am I making an emotional decision or am I making an, a logical decision? And I think that's one of the things that we can do to really kind of help us you know, through this process of, you know, this compulsive spending, you know, because of fear. Um, yeah, it's really just really taking a deep breath, man, and really asking ourselves that question, like, man, is it's am I making the right decisions right now? I mean, what's really going on in my head? How am I feeling? And what I'm doing, is it really true or not, you know? Right. Talk to me a little bit about the decisions that are tied to our debt. For example, many lack security and long-term um, stability or maybe long-term security. And, and we tend to make, talking about those fears, you know, we t- tend to make decisions based on fear. For example, like some would prefer to wait to say, I want to get a hold of my finances first before I get married. I don't want to get tied down to a relationship before... Um, my finances are really in line or I don't want to purchase a home before I do that. Or somebody may be in a position already that says, well, we don't want to have kids. We don't want to have children because we have this debt. What are your thoughts there? Is, is there a specific order here or what are the the decisions that, that are tied to our debts there? Man, that's a good question. I think, I think with situations like that, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I guess one thing you have to really look at, you know, in your life, you have to really look at like, man, what, what is the vision for my life? What direction? Because a question like that is kind of, like I said, it, it's really different depending on the individual. I mean, for example, somebody that's a doctor that's going to school, I mean, they may decide, okay, I want to finish school first before I consider settling down, getting married, having kids. I mean, I wouldn't consider that a bad a, a bad deal, you know. So I think with situations like that, it's kind of, it's really, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, you can't really generalize it, in my opinion, because every every situation, you know, is different. Every situation have, you know, some type of variance. So I think with a situation like that, it's really, man, um, you know, make first thing having a vision for your life, having a vision for your life, making that decision. And sticking, really sticking to the, you know, the vision that, that God has placed for you in your life, 
and having that plan. And I don't see anything wrong with having a plan, but it, you know, for somebody that's doing it uh, for selfish reasons, I, I think that's why I say gen- uh, the generalizing it, because some people, man, I mean, you have people on the other hand that just just selfish with situations like that, or, or selfish, or some maybe somebody uh, super thoughtful where they say, you know what, uh, man, I grew up this way, and I want to, you know, I want to make sure I grew up in poverty, so I want to make sure. When I bring when I uh, bring up some when I I have kids, they don't have to go through what I went through. So you see what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of so. It's really it's a. I guess instead of being, if if it was it, it's not being specific, it's kind of a hard question to really really yeah. answer. It's kind because of, you can't really generalize it because it it is different. Is that it's different for every situation. Yeah, definitely. I want to ask you about giving and the church. With you being the lead pastor of New Direction Church and having what an extensive experience in that area. What is the principle on giving and, and how do we live through that? What does that look like in a practical way? Oh man, I'm about to share something with you, man. Great question. I'm about to share something with you, man, that I, uh, and I'm, I'm going to ask you this question first. So have you ever, have you ever heard somebody, you know, cause I think a lot of people, especially Christians, I think we struggle with this fact, of you know, tithing because I hear a lot of people say, man, you know, Man, we don't. We're not under. We're not under the law. We're under grace, right? Mm. Okay. Right. Uh, and so, one of the things, man, I was actually, I was thinking about this, man. I was talking to a group of people before, and I was explaining. So, we all know, as far as when you're talking about law, you know, Old Testament law, you know, people were doing things just like you, you did. You had to do it, right? You had to do it. Or there was consequences if you didn't do it, right? That's 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 law, right? And and as Christians, we are we're under grace, right? So imagine this, and I'm gonna start here. Imagine this. Imagine driving down the highway, right? And let's say, for instance, you have, uh, you know, jokingly saying you have some speed demons, right? So if you have speed demons, or you love to speed, you may drive down the highway, and you may go 10, 15, 20 miles above the speed limit, right? But if you see a cop, you're going to slow down. So therefore, if the cop is in place on the side of the road, it causes you to slow down. So therefore, because you know that you're breaking the law, you know you're breaking the law, and because there's a law enforcement approaching or you're approaching the law enforcement, you'll regulate you'll regulate yourself and abide by the speed limit, abide by that law until you pass up that law enforcement. You with me so far? Yes, sir. All right. So so here's the thing. And this this to me, this is what separates um, you know, old, you know, old law from new, right? So basically, you know, we're not under law, we're under grace. So imagine this. Let, let's let's kind of switch a little bit to our our families. I remember one time it, it, it was kind of funny. It was this lady. It was this lady came to me at church. She approached me, right? She said, "Hey, pastor." She said, "And you know, man, when Lotto get real big, man, people, you know, Christian, non-Christian. I mean, most time, everybody don't always say it. You know, people, yeah. you know, keep it, keep stuff like that sacred. That's but, the truth, um, right? Yeah, man. I mean, she so she came to me. She, she you know, she's like, pastor. You know, the lotto was such, 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 and such a night, right? She said, so, she said, if I win the lotto, she said, do I, 
he said, do I, uh, do I give, you know, one time and that's it? Or, you know, how, how, do, how, do, I, how do I pay my tithes if I win? <laughs> I laughed. I laughed at all. It's kind of funny. And I told I said, let me ask you this question, sis. I said, when it comes time for your kids, when you're taking care of your kids or providing for your family, do you think, did you, do you have to ask that same question? And the, you have to ask that same question and say, all right, if I win the lotto, do I take care of my kids? Uh, do I give 10% towards my kids or do I just take care of them and do what needs to be done? She said, well, I just take care of them what needs to be done. I said, this is the difference between law and grace. You know, that, that, that it's just like I, you, you're forced to do it and you get to do it. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Right. Are right. you with me? Yeah. Yeah. So that's so that's my whole that, that's my whole perspective on on giving. Um, and I think I think when it comes time for giving, I think I think tithing, tithing, man, uh, that ten percent, man, I think that just, that should be the least. That should be the least we give back to God because the truth of the matter is, with that perspective, man, it doesn't belong to me anyway. I mean, as believers, as Christians, it's like, man, it doesn't belong to me. And having that mindset, it doesn't belong to me. I, I think it frees you up. It frees you up to be more generous with how you give it when you really realize in your heart that it doesn't belong to me. And I think that's what separates the difference between the law and grace. Because the law, you know, tell you, it was because I had to. But it's like, man, I'm under grace. I give because I want to. If that make, if that make, if that make yeah. sense. Yeah, definitely. So that, that kind of makes me think about what I've heard quite a bit. And, and you being as a pastor, how would you approach that? You know, someone that says, you know, I can't afford to give right now or I can't afford to tithe until I get my finances sorted out, you know, because I'm, I'm living on a budget, pastor. I'm living I'm living uh, on this specific structure, so I can't afford it right now. What, would, what advice would you give uh, to other leaders in a way that they can teach it to to their organizations or to the people that they lead, you know, what would you advise there? Man, if somebody tell me they can't afford to give, I would tell them you can't afford not to. Mm, that's good. You can't afford not to. Yeah. I, I remember, and this is the situation, even with my wife, man, with our whole debt issue, man, I remember, I remember, man, we were uh, doing this time, uh, we were getting ready to uh, join, join a new church. And I remember telling my wife, because like I said, man, we, the debt, well, it was really bad. I told my wife, I said, dang, I said, we are, I said we're paying tithes. I said, we're paying tithes. And we, you know, we joined the ministry. I said, we're paying tithes no matter what. And man, she looked at me crazy, seriously. She, and she's not embarrassed to say that, but she looked at me strange, like, how, from where? Where is it going to come from? And I told her, I said, but you know what? I said, we have to, because at the time we had cable. You know, we had all this stuff. I said, if we got to get cable cut off, if we got to, we, we, we're paying tithes. Yeah. We're paying tithes. And that's the stance that I took, you know, back then. This long before I became pastor or even, man, a deacon or whatever at the church. And I was just, you know, just a member joining the church. And I and I made this stance and I told my wife that then. Because I realized even then, man, it's like, man, it doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to me anyway. Yeah. So it's like, how dare, how dare me? To pray and ask God for anything, asking God for prosperity, and then once He give it to me, I can't give. I can't give. It's like it's a selfish. It's a selfish mindset. I mean, to be able to 
God give you something and you hold on to it and you decide to utilize it with your own your own desires or your your own luxuries. Like I'm gonna, I want to get this. I need to get a new car. I need to get a new that. No, take that. Take, God took care of you. God took right. care of you. God is the reason why you have it. So I think for anybody, you have to really go back and ask that question. It's like, man, do I believe? Do I really believe God gave this to me? Because if you really believe God gave it to you, your approach to it would be different. Yeah. I mean, it's like, man, so God gave me this, and he just, he required just a little bit of it back? Hmm. I mean, that's, that's a good deal. That's better than the government. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, taxes, I mean, dude, and, and you see, the government, the government is a little different. See, God gives us options. No, the government take theirs off the top. They don't even trust you. They right. take it off the top, and if they get paid you too much, you get an income tax check. I mean, that's that's how they do it. Right. And it's like, man, it's it's I don't know. I, I just think, man, uh, and 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 I think that goes into even the whole form. I mean, man, man, ministries are scared to talk about money, so people mm-hmm. don't understand money. People don't understand that concept of it doesn't belong to me. It's, it it doesn't. Right. And I think even the pastors, even the leaders of the church, they need to have that same mindset. You can't tell somebody to do something you're not willing to do. Mm. Yeah, it's good. You can't. You can't. You can't tell somebody to, to 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 give up for God when you're not willing to give up for God. I experienced this as well, man. Where uh, man, the, uh, the the pastor wanted, you know, he, you know, everybody pledging and things like that. And man, he, everybody, everybody gave into it except for him. I'm like, man, you, you're the first partaker. You, you're the right. you're the leader. You're the leader. It's your responsibility. How can you lead? You're not leading if you're not giving first. Right. I don't care what it's not. You're not leading. You, you got to lead. That's what that word means something for a reason. Leading. You're leading people. Mean I do it first and they see me do it and they right. follow behind what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm leading them to make the right decision. So if us pastors, us leaders are not making the right decision, how can you expect somebody else to make the decision? Because pastor, leader, bishop, they're watching you. And watching Definitely. you. So I, mean, I think it's so important to really, I mean, just for us to set the example, set the example and then to teach them. Because here's the thing. I think a lot of times it's kind of hard to teach tithing and teach giving because if if you're teaching something you're not doing, you, you're going you're gonna to be the first one condemned. Mm. You're going to condemn yourself. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But if you're doing it, I mean, you can talk freely about it because you know what? Because if I'm giving my last to the ministry, then I can talk about, and now we can have a conversation because I know how you really feel. And I can I can talk out of my experience on how I felt when I did it and share my feelings with you because that's a time for logic and that's a time for emotion. A lot of times people got to feel that emotion in order to make that logical decision. Yeah. So people are Definitely. watching us and they're watching us, whether you think it or not. Man, they know, they know if the pastor says selfish, they know if the pastor is all he do is take. They they know this stuff. They know this stuff. You can't yeah. fool them, man. People ain't people ain't crazy. You know. I love that you mentioned a little bit about being selfish and having that selfish mentality. And just before I let you go, I wanted to ask you one more thing and get your thoughts on this. One of the greatest piece of advice that I've been told when it comes to finances, and this is actually a testimony that was shared with me, and I learned from it, 
that we there was a person that was asking for God for for a a very hefty raise or wanted to to maybe make a little more. So then they um they 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 started to ask questions and they started to you know seek the counsel and seek the leadership and so one of the things that they were told was start tithing what it is that you want to make what is it that you want to make what is it that you want God to provide for you so start tithing that now without before even having it without without having it start doing it now and she did that and as soon as she did lo and behold like further on down the road she started making what she was already tithing beforehand. So at the time when I heard that, that really helped me out a lot because early on in our marriage, that's something that my wife and I, we had to really learn and grab a hold of. And, and we went through a, a, a very difficult experience to, to do that, to learn it. So what we did was I didn't do it necessarily. Be, I, I didn't start tithing more because I, that's what I wanted to make. I necessarily did it because I really wanted to prove to myself and I wanted to lead my, my family in the direction that I really trusted God. So what I did in my approach was in my own just instincts, in my own just wanting to break out of that cycle and that curse. So instead of just tithing the 10%, I started tithing and I told my wife, we're going to start tithing 15%. And I had that same reaction when, uh, kind of like what you mentioned, you know, you get that crazy look and it's like, how are you going to give 15% if we're struggling already? You know, how are you going to do more if, if it's already difficult as it is? So I didn't see the result right away. But over time, it taught me such uh, an important lesson. And it, it taught me so much about just simply the principle of trusting God. You know, if, if he blesses once, he definitely can do it again. And if he blesses again, he can do it repeatedly. And if he can do amazing and extraordinary things and you do miracles, then we have to believe that if we're preaching it, right? If we're teaching it. And that taught me so much. So as my last question, I wanted to get your insight on this. How do we stay diligent and disciplined when it comes to managing money? <laughs> oh, man. Um, man, I... I I think, and I, the, the, the answer will come, um, I, I told a piece of the story. I, I didn't get a chance to finish. My wife and I, we, we were tithing. You know, I told her, we, uh, you know, according to my paper, it was like, man, we can't afford to tithe, right? But uh, we did it. We did it. My wife, she's like, okay, he's the leader. We did it. And, man, uh, the way that story went, I mean, man, we never, never went without. We never lost a meal. Well, we still kept cable. I mean, it was it was pretty amazing, and man, God began to bless us from there to even now. I mean, man, it's just been elevation after elevation after elevation after elevation after elevation. And man, I um, I think one of the things we're dealing with, you know, being diligent, I think we have to really think about think about who God is. And we have to move ourselves out of the way because I think a lot of times, man, for blessings, you know, God want to bless us in our life, prosperity and things God want to do for us. Most of the time we're in our own way. We're in the way. It's like we're always in the way, you know, we can't get out of the way long enough for God to get in the way to do what he needs to do. Mm. 
And man, I think that's so important for us to really, really get out of the way and just trusting God, not trusting yourself, but trusting God. Because oftentimes I believe sometimes the way we react and the way we respond to things, we really trust ourselves more than we trust God. Because the reason why I'm saying that, because we make the decisions on our own and we don't include God. So in in, in essence, we feel for, for some type of way, some reason, we feel that we know more than God. We feel that we know what's best for our lives than God. Because if we if we just really focus and say, man, it's all about God, it, 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 this is the point of your life when it t- really takes the limitations off the table because every last one of us, think about this, Jay, every last one of us are limited. Yeah. We have limitations. I mean, there are things we can do, but there are things that we can't do and we know we can't do it, right? Right, right. But that's the scripture says through Christ, I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. And this is so important. And this is when it's so important for us to move out of the way. We have to move self out of the way. And we have to really believe I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ, meaning I can't do it on my own, but I can do it through Christ. And so now I have to move out of the way and allow Christ to do the unbelievable, the impossible, but the impossible cannot happen if we're trying to do it because we are not miracle workers, but Christ is. And we have to understand and know. And so I would say for us to get in our position, do what God has called us to do. Get in our positions. Don't do anything different. Get in your position. You know what you're capable of doing. Do what you do what God has called you to do. Yeah. And allow God to do the rest. That is so good. That's what I was saying. I appreciate that insight and I appreciate your life so much. And I really appreciate a lot the conversations that we've had. And this is how we talk, you know, just so our audience knows, you know, whenever we get together and we've had lunch and we're talking, this is exactly how we talk all the time. This is normal conversation with us. And it just one thing leads to another. And there's so many sermons and messages that have been inspired just from oh, our man. conversations. And yeah. uh I just say that just to say that I really appreciate your life. Uh, appreciate you taking time to being on the podcast and sharing uh, your passion. You know, you can really see it through, you can hear it through your voice and, and, and you get adam- animated about it. And I love that. Uh, it's been so, so insightful. Thank you for being gracious with your time. Thank you for Thank sharing you. and being transparent with, uh, with this topic. And I think it's going to help so many people. And that's the root of the purpose of this podcast, you know, to really help people uh, to become what God has intended us to be. And as you mentioned, we can't do that and we can't live in our purpose if we're tied down and be enslaved to money. You know, we're tied down, then we can't really fulfill the purpose that God has uh, called us to do. Um, so I feel that our conversation today is really going to help out a lot of people. And I hope it sets people free from uh, the debt and from the, the being slave to, um, to money like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have a few things I want to share, just some steps. Please do. For, if you don't mind. Please do. So the first, so the first thing for people, you know, the, if you're in debt, the first thing is to get out of debt. 
Uh, the second uh, thing, uh, if you're writing uh, accurate ways. Uh, the third thing is get a written plan. The fourth thing is get on a budget. And the fifth thing is save and invest. Save and invest. Save and invest. And that, that's what I wanted to leave you with. And man, uh, definitely you have to, you know, save up for, you know, emergencies, save up for that rainy day because things do happen. And every time something happens, it's not the devil. It's not the devil. It's, we're so quick because we mismanage our money, because we mismanage certain things in our life. It's so easy for us to blame the devil. And I think when we give the devil so much credit, it really puts us at a disadvantage because we give the devil credit. and we give them the credit. So if we don't really take responsibility and say, you know what? It's my fault. Because man, it ain't the devil. The reason why you got a flat tire. I mean, it happens. Because your tire is worn. Because you didn't change the oil in your car and now your engine seized up. No, that's not blaming the devil for that. That's not the devil. No, we mismanage our money and that's the results of it. It's not the devil's fault. And I say, man, sometimes we give the devil so much credit. Man, the devil got an 850 credit score in our lives, mm. man. Because every time something happens, we give him, man, we, we give him credit for it. It's like God get no credit. God got a God got a 400. <laughs> God got a 400. The devil got an 800. I mean, because yeah. it's like we give so much credit to the devil. Everything is the devil. And the truth of the matter is, no, it's not the devil. It's us. It's us. So, you know, save up. Save up for that emergency. Recommend it. Get it. First thing, I mean, even before you focus on paying, getting a debt off, I mean, get an emergency fund. Get an emergency fund. I mean, you know, it's up to you. You know, for somebody, emergency may be $500. Emergency may be $1,000. Emergency may be $2,000. Based on where you are, I mean, our emergencies may be different. So, first thing I would say, uh, get, 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 get an emergency fund. For that rainy day, for when something happened, because it will happen, not may, it will happen. So when things happen, you'll be ready for it. And the next thing, just say, you know, just paying, paying off that debt, man. I, I love the Dave Ramsey approach, you know, paying off that debt as yeah. far as, you know, starting off. Because it really it do work, man. It's like, uh, uh, man, uh, paying off paying off those low things first and just kind of work it backwards and take that money uh, after paying off that bill and you add it to the next bill and you just kind of compound it and just keep paying it off till you pay everything off. And once you pay everything off, man, take all that money, and then begin to just save all that money. So the, you know, let's say you had uh, $2,000 in credit card payments. I mean, you take that $2,000 and start putting it, putting it up for you, for your future, for your yeah. destiny. And then I'll say even then invest in something. You got to invest. You got to invest, get you some multiple streams of income, you know, to have things like I talked earlier about crypto, you have stock market, there's all, there's all kinds of things, passive income, you want to get you some income streams growing, you know, you want to, I mean, picture your income streams like a table. I mean, most, 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 most people, their income, they have one, and if you're married, you have two streams of income. Think about a two-legged table, two-legged table, that, that's bad. Yeah. Like the table yeah. is gonna fall over yeah. because you can't really balance it. But and uh, you know the th the three legged table that's when you be able to get some balance. But the more legs on the table, man, the more sustainable it is. And I think even through this recent pandemic, man, the people that really did that thrive uh, through the pandemic that didn't even see a pandemic, 
or even knew a pandemic existed are the people that had multiple streams of income. So I think this would be a lesson for all of us, you know, whether you're a pastor, you know, whether you you uh, you work a job, work in the corporate world, or whatever you're doing, leader, you're on your own business, uh, entrepreneurship journey, wherever you are, man, really, really getting multiple legs under your table. Because, man, I, I dabble, I mean, I, I, I talked about, you know, you, you know, we do, you know, the outreach and lead to greatness and things like that. But man, we, my wife and I, we dabble in so much stuff, man. It's, you know, we have income coming in from all different areas because different seasons. Think about somebody that had a daycare at the beginning of COVID-19. Yeah. Man, that daycare shut down. If that was their only stream of income, man, they were in big trouble. Yeah, that's Think it. about that person that had a restaurant. I mean, dude, at the beginning of COVID-19, Man, everything shut down, so they're in big trouble. So that's why the multiple streams of income. I and mean, even somebody that went by furlough and and man, people got laid off. That one stream of income, that's it. It's like, man, so I would say that take that with me, uh, you know, last note with everybody, man. Get you some multiple streams of income, but you have to start by paying that debt off. Pay the debt off and save and invest save and invest and start thinking about your future don't think about uh yourself right now think about your future and i would tell encourage anybody that's maybe older somebody maybe 60 years old say hey it's not too late now it's not too late abraham abraham was 100 when he had his son hey yeah. it's not too late Mm. It's not too late. Start where you're at. It's not too late. Uh, for some of our younger people that's in their 20s, man, you had a great advantage right now. I mean, uh, man, be ahead of be ahead of everything uh, and start paying off that debt and get, get rid of that debt and think about your 30-year-old self, your 40-year-old self, your 50-year-old self, even if, even if you're not doing it for you right now. And I think that's the thing you mentioned, uh, instant gratification. Don't, you don't even think, you know... Think about think about that think about that older person. Because right now you're all fast, you're you vibrant, you got all this energy. I mean you can work ten jobs if you want to, you got energy to do that. But man, I'm telling you, when you turn fifty, you won't be able to do all that. So take make sure you take care take 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 care of him or her. Make sure you take care of them, make sure they're good because you made the right decisions. That's you know, it. In your yeah. in, in your in your young age. That's all good. Thank you for being very transparent with that and sharing your heart and opening up your passion and, and sharing that with our audience. I really appreciate you, Pastor said, uh, Pastor Cedric. I, I really appreciate everything that you shared and it's been uh, very insightful, very helpful. Um, and thank you for being gracious with your time. And I'm very appreciative of you. Bless you, man. Bless you. Thank you. For allowing me to come on and share, man. This is what I do. This is what I love. I'm telling you, man. I, and I, I, I love this stuff. And I just want to, because I've been there. I've been there, man. We've been in debt. Um, I've lived, uh, you know, working and not living according to purpose. I know what that's like. I know what that's like to make a decision, uh, to step away from that and to go solely into purpose. And man, to take control of my life and to wake up in the morning where I'm not living for the weekend anymore. I mean, every day, every day is every day is Sunday in my life, man. I I wake up, I wake up energetic and I'm ready to go, man. I love everything I do, everything about my life. And if I didn't, I wouldn't do it. But to have that kind of control over your life and to make that decision, man, that's the way to live. So you know what? God wants all of us to win and let's get back to eating and live on top of the world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's it. 
And uh, it's definitely a biblical topic. And we see that all across the Bible. And that's a topic that we could probably share on another day because that's a whole another episode. You know, is it spiritual? Is it practical? Is it even biblical? Yes, definitely. It's biblical. And, uh, and, and that's what... Go ahead. Oh, man. See, oh, and here's the thing. See, every time you talk, man, you just put more... But this is the thing, man. Jesus... Now, this, you, you can confirm this in Scripture, man. Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. You know, he talked about more about money. Uh, the only thing he talked about more than money was the kingdom of God. Man, 11 yeah. out of 34 parables talked about money. One out of every yeah. seven verses in the Gospel of St. Luke Talked about Monday, money. Read this for yourself. Yep. Again, one out of every seven verses in the Gospel of St. Luke talked about money. Man, money is important. Money matters. Money matters, man. Yes. Yep, definitely. Thank you for sharing all of that. Pastor Cedric, thank you for being on the podcast. And uh, this definitely won't be the last time that you're going to be on with us. Oh, man, I'm just ready. Just call me up. Let me know, man. I'm ready to share, bro. Thank you so much. We're definitely going to put links in the description below where they can connect with you. Where do you spend more time on these days? Is it Instagram, Facebook? Where where can the people find you? Uh, probably Instagram. Instagram um, at uh, Lead to Greatness. Okay. Uh, Instagram, Data Greatness. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Cedric B. Francis. Uh, Facebook, Cedric B. Francis. And um, also the website uh, to Lead to Greatness is www.lead2greatness.com. And going there, man, you can really, you know, link into every aspect of what we're doing even in the community, uh, ministry, everything is connected uh, through the Lead to Greatness website. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm going to put all of those links in the description below where people can connect with you, New Direction Church, Lead to Greatness, and all of those great tools so we can continue growing, continue improving, and becoming who God has uh, intended us to be. Um, so thank you so much for that. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. And may God bless you and bless this platform and bless all your future endeavors, man. Stay blessed. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being part of our conversation today. I will leave some links in the description below where you can connect with Cedric Francis. So don't forget to check that out. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love for you to subscribe and hey, receive a big warm welcome to the family. Also, you could help us reach others by leaving a good rating, a review, or even sharing it on social media. And that would mean so much to me. In the meantime, I would love to connect with you. In the description below, you will find some links. And you can also visit the blog page where you can find more helpful content like this at inspiredtoinspire.org. That's inspired, the number two, inspire.org. And for now... Continue moving forward in the direction God is leading you. Continue taking steps closer in becoming who God has intended you to be so you can be impactful in every area of your life. God bless, and we'll see you on the next one.